Good morning, New Life Manitou. Hello, friends. I'm glad to see all of you. It, can I just tell you and confess that it's such a, an immeasurable, unspeakable gift to be with you guys uh, when I get to. And so I love all of you. That's, that's all. Um, and if you're joining us online, welcome. We're glad that you are joining us online. My name's Brett. I'm a pastor with New Life. Um, we are in our third week of the season of Advent. Adventus in Latin just means arrival is all it means. We're waiting on the arrival of something. And uh, if if you haven't, if you don't resonate with that at all, then you haven't been living in 2020. <laughs> we're all we're all waiting on something. God knows we're all waiting on something. Um, traditionally, during the church, uh, the church has focused on four virtues during um, the season of Advent um, that um, God is at work in us. Maybe especially when we're waiting on something. Maybe when we're not comfortable. And so the, uh, the first that um, Pastor Joe walked us through a little bit last week was hope. Um, hope. And then um, you've got peace. And then you've got joy. And then love. You've got to throw love in there somewhere. And so um, this week they asked the pastor riddled with anxiety and jitteriness <laughs> to talk about peace. So, uh, God help us this morning. We recognize that you are the great peace giver, and you are drawing us all into it at different speeds and with our different temperaments and brain chemistry and all of the rest. And so we open ourselves up as best we know how right now during this season of waiting, waiting on the arrival ultimately of you, Jesus. You at the end of history and as a reminder, you in the middle of history back there in Bethlehem. And so right now we ask that you would come and speak right now because your servants are listening. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Uh, so there are, I, I was pleased you actually brought up Isaiah 9. There are a lot of good um, Advent peace texts. We've got, of course, the, fir the first one in Isaiah 9, verse 6, that we've already heard today. It's worth hearing again. For to us a child is born. And the government, uh, uh, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Oh, doesn't that say? Or there's this really famous story um, with Bethlehem shepherds getting really freaked out because there's this whole army, literally, that's what the word host means, there's an army of singing angels that appear before them, and they're like, what in the world is going on? And so um, they, um, you famously know it, Linus made it famous with uh, Charlie Brown, uh, Luke chapter 2 verse 10, they're freaked out and the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, 
the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host, the armies, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. I hear these passages at Advent and I'll take some. <laughs> this is the way I feel most of the time. Like, if we're asking for things for Christmas, Jesus, I'll do, Santa, whoever, like whoever I can get it from, I'll take some, some peace. I, I started struggling with anxiety in my uh, late 20s. Um, apparently, this is a very common time for it to manifest itself, especially if it like runs in your family, because these things are like somewhat genetic, and I don't mean to like pawn it. God knows I don't mean to pawn it off on that. I take responsibility for it a lot. Um, but I started feeling this, um, and it runs on one side of my family. And so I started, I, uh, through the years, I've, I've struggled, and I've been like, peace, I will take. I jest about it, but I'll take some of that. We, um, we, uh, there's, even we, it's not just the passages that we read at Advent time while we're waiting on Christmas to arrive. It's even like made its way into some of the like hymns or carols that we sing. You guys are familiar with like away in a manger, right? Little Lord laid down his sweet head. The second verse really bothers me. <laughs> Hopefully it bothers you too. Hopefully it will after this at least. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus no, no crying he makes. It's like this impression that like at Christmas time or at Advent or like the ideal Christian is just like, and, and, and Jesus when he, even like baby Jesus, like he's infant Jesus. It's all serenity, all like a, all tranquility. It's like, a, you know, like a, a peaceful lake, you know, fog, no jitters, no anxiety in this scene, in this song, no uncertainty at all. These, uh, these teenage parents who have just received this gift of baby Jesus, they feel no fear because this baby does not cry and his poop does not stink. You know, that's the way the, it gives you the impression. And can we just name this? We need to. It's terrible theology. It, it, it is. It's terrible theology. That is not a fully human baby. And that's, as, as Christians, that's what we confess. Uh, in the creed, we confess that God the Son became fully human. I, I actually scoured the internet this week looking for uh, a nativity set with a crying baby Jesus. And I was just like curious if it existed. The closest I could find was actually, there's this one that's pretty recent and it's called Give Her Some Rest. And it's Mary, and it's Mary asleep and Joseph with the baby. Um, like, and, and yes, fatherhood. Yes, I, I support this. But the baby's still not crying. And, I, and I'm like, I need a nativity set. Like, 
I need a nativity set with an exhausted Mary over here with like her hair, bed head and like frazzled hair. And, and they're like baby Jesus like crying and you can like the, the hay is kind of thrown everywhere. And freaked out Joseph over here is like watching these shepherds wandering in. Be like, did you invite friends? Like, nobody knows we're here. We're in a cave. Like what? I couldn't find a nativity set. And so I think there's a market for, for one if you are artistically bent or good with resin or something, please, like, let's connect. I think um, it, would be import- it would be important for, like, theological reasons. Um, and I joke about all of this, but, like, I'm being serious for a second. This picture of a nativity set of what we, like, set up in our houses, I actually think, and I'm not trying to pick on them, they're great, they're beautiful, they're wonderful, and I think they actually reflect something of what we project and what we expect peace to look like onto something unrealistic, onto the whole time, like, in my life, I'm praying and asking for year upon year. I'm asking, would you bring me some of that nativity set piece? And so, it, it, honestly, it's just wooden piece is what it is. It's plastic piece. It's knickknack piece. It's, it's not really like fully human peace. It's not a really fully human life. Um, And a lot of times around the season of Christmas, I just want to name this in the room this morning, that um, a lot of times we feel like we, um, especially during the season of Christmas, that we have to be projecting this kind of peace for, for everybody else. Like, I'm a wreck, but everybody else seems to be okay. Everyone else seems to be plastic and happy and got these smiles on their face. And so maybe I just need, uh, maybe I just don't have this plastic kind of peace. May, God, could you give me some of that? And we sure don't want to let anybody into our lives with this because we feel like everyone else has got it together. I don't want to, I'm, I must be the only one struggling. And so uh, this morning, we're actually going to be in Matthew 10. We're right on time. I know I'm just reading the passage. We're right on time. But um, I want to hear what little Lord Jesus says about peace when he grows up, okay? So Matthew chapter 10, starting verse 34, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace. (laughs) I do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her (laughs) mother-in-law. There's some joke there, but I'm going to keep going. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. Jittery pastor, if you think you could find it, you would actually be losing. It's what I, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And so when the Prince of Peace, I'm not minimizing Jesus here. When the Prince of Peace, he truly is. When he grows up, though, he explicitly says to all of us, he says, you have got the wrong ideas about peace. I am not bringing what you are expecting. 
That's what he's saying here. And we need to make one really big caveat here that um, whatever else Jesus is doing right here in this statement, he is not advocating violence, okay? Uh, we need to be, re- he is not advocating violence. I, just a handful of chapters before this, uh, right right here, in the, just in the Sermon on the Mount, he explicitly forbid violence. Later, Jesus will uh, say that those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Jesus is the one, while his disciples are defending him from arrest with a sword, Jesus is the one not resisting violently. He's actually bringing healing to his enemies. So when Jesus says right here that I'm bringing a makaira, I'm bringing a sword, um, we know with certainty that he is not calling his followers to literal arms. That's not what he's doing. What he's doing is he's challenging our expectations and our notions of peace. That's what he's, he's saying. He's quoting uh, the prophet Micah, actually, right here in verses 35 and 36. And he's saying, um, the day has finally arrived when people are going to be divided. When families are actually going to split over, me, my life is going to end up causing division, like a, like a, like a sword cutting or like a fork in the road, you know? It's like some people are going to go this way and some people are going to go that way. Some people, uh, we see this still today, some people dismiss Jesus. He must have been a legend. No good evidence for that. (laughs) Or maybe he was a liar, or maybe he was a lunatic. Um, And other people hail him as Lord. Um, Jesus is saying to us with very strong language, he's saying, if you think that I am here to just like preserve the status quo, to just not ruffle any feathers, to not turn over any tables, to just pat you on the head and give you plastic peace with what is already going on in your life. I'm just telling you, like, you're going to be disappointed. I'm coming. My arrival is like a sword. My life is going to be like a makaira, like a, like a blade, like, like a utility knife almost. It just cut. We could say it this way. Advent, the arrival of Jesus always involves an assault on our false peace. Is what it, Jesus loves you enough to attack false peace. He loves you enough that like you think that's peace, but it's not. I'm, I love you enough. I'm going to draw you into depths of peace and it's going to be painful along the way. It'll feel like cuts, but I promise you I'm here for your healing. He is interested in real peace in our lives, and he loves us enough to tear down, to assault, to draw a sword on all of our false peace. Every single one of us has experienced this, the false peace. Perhaps you've been in an argument with someone. Every one of us has been in an argument with someone. Perhaps it was a coworker. Perhaps it was a spouse. That would never happen. But, um, and, and you've, you've hashed it out and you're going for it. And then you're like, you, you get interrupted at some point And you're like, ah, we got to go to this thing and get in the car. And it's the really polite talking to each other. Like super polite. Like we're never this polite. Or it's like the super quiet 
car ride where you're just like, oh man, they're like, and if somebody pulled up to you at a red light next to you and looked in the car, they would be like, oh, well, they seem to be fine. It looks like peace on, on the outside. There's no conflict. But we who are in the middle of it know the exterior lack of arguing does not mean that actual peace is present. It, there's still more that needs to be said. We need to hash it out. We need to weep on each other's shoulders. We need to like hug. We need to, you know, the, the mere absence of the arguing doesn't mean that everything is simpatico, that everything's well. Um, we could say it this way. Peace is more than the absence of conflict. Peace means presence of life is what real peace is. And that's a decent way, actually, of wrapping your head around the ancient Hebrew notion of shalom, is all what shalom's getting at. It's not talking about mere absence of something. That's not what peace is. Um, that, like, be it an external conflict, like in the world, or like internal anxiety. Don't misunderstand Jesus does. He's the Prince of Peace. He is aiming to like heal the world's conflicts and to um, calm even my <laughs> deep anxiety. But peace is not as simple as taking something away. That's, peace isn't as easy. If it was, he, he would. But peace involves like us. It involves getting something new into us, like new habits and new thoughts and new patterns and new life. Even on like a, a big scale, like within the world, it, it involves like getting new policies in place or, or new priorities or values like worked into a society. And apparently that is long, patient work for God. Apparently that is something that takes a while to do. God is patient. Life is long and God is patient. Um, and he's going to work true peace in even when he has to get the newness into me and into the world. I just want to make, we're going to make three lightning reflections as we are preparing to come to the table. First reflection from this passage is true peace involves submitting to a scalpel from Jesus. Is what I think Jesus is saying right here. It makes all the difference who is holding the makaira, who's holding the knife, who's holding the blade. If you put the blade into the hands of a madman, it is, of course, a threat. It's like a scream three or something. I don't know. I've never... Uh, but um, you put the, that same blade into the hands of a surgeon, and it can be an instrument of healing, it's an instrument, of, it's, it's a scalpel. Uh, some of us this morning, I think, are, um, I know for sure, we come into this place, season of Advent, and we've been wrestling with God for a long time, and peace continues to elude us. And when we hear language of peace, we immediately know why. We know exactly what is contributing to, um, to my lack of peace. It may not be the whole thing, but it's a big, like some of us, it's like a, a relationship that's like really unhealthy. <laughs> like it just needs to cut it out. Some of us, it's like a habit or a pattern or something um, that it, you know, you're like, it has to stop. Some of us, it's like we took a wrong path somewhere uh, like years ago and we just 
keep going down that path. And, um, and, you, and you know, like, I gotta turn around. I gotta, I gotta go the, the other way, but it's gonna take so long. But you'll never find peace. While you're, some of us, it's, a, um, it's like the thing you stopped doing at some point. And like, you need to like reclaim it because it was actually a gift from God. And like, you need to take it back up and say, okay, this is the thing. I need to cut out my apathy and my, my ideas that like I, what I'm doing doesn't matter and reclaim it. Whatever it is, that immediate thing that pops into your mind. This morning, when it comes to whatever true peace is, Jesus isn't wanting to, um, he's not wanting to take that thing from you which is a strange thing for me to say, but it's true. He's not wanting to take that thing from you. He's not wanting to take anything from you. He's wanting to give to you. And that thing that we're holding on to isn't anything of substance. It's not contributing to your life. It's actually taking away. So Jesus, hear me, Jesus is not wanting to leave you empty. Jesus, with that thing that pops in your mind, he is wanting to cut out so that he can give, so that he can give and make us full and healthy and whole. Jesus wants to add to your life, not to take, he wants to enrich your life. He wants to make you more fully alive, more you, um, not leave you empty. Um, But uh, the process of Jesus making us alive means he's got to cut out got to bring the sword. He's got to cut out counterfeit peace, the status quo. Um, Second reflection, we could say it this way, true peace involves entering into the joy of serving other people. Um, That's actually near the heart of what Jesus is saying right here in verse um, 38 when he says, take up your cross. And verse 39, when he follows it up with, lose your life, What Jesus is doing, his cross, by definition, is not just some random execution by the Roman government. The cross is an act of serving. It's an act of saying, you matter more than my temporary comfort right now. God God himself comes among us in the flesh and he enters into a mess that was not his. He he comes to bear a pain that was not his to bear. He comes to, to die a death that was not his for the sake of someone other than him. That's what God is like. And he came to do it for you, for, for, for me. That, that's, that's the gospel, by the way. But you're invited to believe that. Um, God is already on your side. He's already shown it on the cross. He, he's for you, God is. God has entered into our turbulence, into our anxiety, into our trauma. And he's done it to give us peace. And his peace, he says, is Take up the cross. Take up the cross. Lose your life. Follow me. It, it's really weird, and I'm a slow learner on this, but it is the habit of me focusing on my compulsive need for peace, my obsession with myself, my own anxiety. Me, me, peace, peace. 
that is actually what is getting in the way of me finding peace. Jesus is saying, if you'll come on the path of serving others, of taking up your cross, of losing your life, uh, this emptying is actually a finding. Um, I'm discovering this as a parent because um, <laughs> my household doesn't look like a nativity set. <laughs> any, uh, any real parents with any real kids know this, that it looks nothing like a serenity of a, like, of a plastic nativity set. There are always meals to make. They come around with alarming regularity and then <laughs> getting them to eat them. And then there's always like lessons to like be teaching and things to do that they don't understand why you're doing it. And frequently, oh my goodness, there are messes, messes, and messes to clean, and to wipe, and to, like, in general, just to, like, handle, and Joy and I are, like, just frequently, like, exhausted, and I, like, I frequently, uh, adding kids, anyone who's, like, uh, I mean, the the Stantons, you guys are about to have, and, like, the minute that you have a child, even in utero, like it adds another like dimension of like anxiety to your life, of like worry to your life, like in the best kind of way, but you care about the, and so like, and I've tried to take all this new anxiety and like channel it into prayer, but like it's still there. It's like it's, whatever it means to leave it at the altar. Like I don't, it's like, I don't know. It's like it follows me around and I just have to keep returning it there. But it is the strangest thing in my life that like as we are giving ourselves, making these meals, doing things that they don't understand, wiping messes, fill in whatever imagination, like uh, we are giving ourselves over, like literally, my life is being given away for the good of people who don't regularly thank me for it. Um, I'm sacrificing sleep and money and time. My girls are five and four, by the way, um, and sanity. <laughs> but I find Joy and I at the end of the night as we're exhausted or even in the middle of it sometimes, we look at each other and like, we're at peace. Like somewhere in the middle of all this, we have like just stumbled our way into serenity by serving, by serving. I've forgotten about myself for a minute and I care more about you. And suddenly I'm stumbled my way into, really what we've stumbled into is we've stumbled into the life of God. Is why That's the nature of the universe, the God behind it. Um, I frequently experience the most peace when I have forgotten about myself and when I have stumbled into serving others. Jesus doesn't tell us to take up a cross or to serve others because he's a killjoy. He doesn't because that is the place where you taste joy and life and even peace. Third reflection, true peace involves trusting as you heed Jesus' call. You need to trust that crosses end in resurrection. All of them do. That's the gospel, by the way. I sometimes have trouble believing this, and, but the moments and the stretches and the seasons when I do, I begin to taste peace. The darkness does not win. Love does. Resurrection does. Jesus does. And some of you this morning, you need to hear it. 
you need to hear it. The darkness does not win. The cloud in your soul does not win. 2020 does not win. And because some of you are like struggling so hard, it's like you identify with like, I'm looking for peace and things have been so hard during this year. Like you didn't even imagine that it could be this hard. And it hasn't even just been hard, it's been trauma. Like literally it's been, and you know the difference, right? Hard is when you're just going through like hard things. Trauma is when you're going through hard things and you're alone, in it. You can't like reach out. There's nobody with you in that. And like some of us have felt that way this year that like the whole year has felt like a freaking Roman crucifixion. That it's like just blood and sweat and trauma and isolation and I can't breathe and hear me. I just need you to hear me this morning. If you hear nothing else, the darkness does not win. It will not end. 2020 ends in resurrection. Your story ends in resurrection because of Jesus and because Jesus claims you. Christmas does arrive, even though we're in the moment of Advent right now. And I don't have any credibility to promise you any of this. And so that's why Joe is going to be leading us to the table. That No, I'm we come every week to the table and we use words that are not ours when we come to the table. We say, Jesus said on the night he was betrayed that this is for you and that I'm going to eat this meal with you in the kingdom. And so we come to listen to the words of somebody who literally died by a Roman crucifixion and who says, that's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. The darkness will not end. And I am going to be drawing you more deeply into the life of peace, even when I have to cut false peace out of you, even when I have to persuade you slowly that taking up a cross is the path to peace. I'm going to get, I'm going to get that plastic peace out of your hands, that plastic smile out of your, off your face. And I'm going to put true peace in your heart. The darkness does not win. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love us. You love us enough that you use things that you, like the year 2020, you use things that you um, wish weren't happening, even for our good and even to make us whole and alive. And so, Prince of Peace... During this Advent season, we open ourselves up to you and we say, come, cut it out of us. Make us like you, alive and at peace. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.